This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. In the squadron, they called him Bullets. But we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hello? Hey, good. Wow. Uh, it is great to be back. It really is. I uh, Usually you dread coming back to work, coming off of vacation. I am thrilled. I am never going away again. I'm never going to the airport again. I'm never getting on a plane. I'm never checking into a hotel. I want to stay home. I am a homebody forever. Forget it. It's done. Travel. I wish the airline industry the best. I'm sure you're going to survive without me, but I'm not going back. I am not going back. Um, we're in trouble, by the way. The, 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 the infrastructure, infrastructure, infrastructure. Yeah, we have no infrastructure. The infrastructure's gone back to 1957. Oh, man. I, uh, I went skiing and um, skiing. I have not been skiing since college. I don't know how I got talked into this, but got when skiing off in uh, Colorado, Colorado, another place, it's too high. I got altitude sickness. I had heard of altitude sickness. I was a pilot. I flew around all the time. I never got altitude sickness, in part because yeah, I had my own oxygen tank. Anyway, the air was too thin. I got, uh, I actually got panicky. I got weirdly like that's a that's a symptom of hypoxia, not getting enough oxygen. Skiing is uh, whatever. It's uh, it's not for me anymore. I've grown up. Whatever. And the, the, everyone's talking about. Ooh, the powder. The powder is so great. Who cares? It's snow. It's cold. It's miserable. Um, but the most the scariest. There was a scary part, and it had nothing to do with the. Hey, by the way, they're voting right now at the House of Representatives for the next speaker, and the and it's going to be um, it's going to be what's his name? What what do you okay? Jeffries, uh, Hakeem Jeffries of Brooklyn. He's going to be the speaker. No, he's going to be the minority leader. Who's going to be the speaker on the Republican side? We don't know. Uh, it could be McCarthy. It could be Andy Biggs. It could be Scalise. McCarthy has most of the votes, but it's I don't know how the hell this works. It's very procedural. It's very um, internecine. I think that might be the word. You know, it's politics. It's a lot of <laughs> they're going to figure it out, hopefully. Uh, I could care less as long as it's a Republican. All right. All, as long as it's somebody who's going to have these investigations, I could take or leave Kevin McCarthy. He is a career politician, um, been in politics since the age of 20. Mm, you know, those people don't stand for anything. They just stand for, hey, don't I have a great smile? Don't I have a great winning smile? Shouldn't my face be on a campaign poster? That kind of thing. They all saw the candidate with Robert Redford and said, hmm, that could be me. Um, that's Kevin McCarthy for you. He doesn't stand for anything. However, I do respect guys like Mark Levin who are like, you know, look, this has got to be the guy. Shut up. It's him. So I accept that. I don't want it to be a rhino. I don't want it to be somebody like, um, who do they say could get it? Fred Upton. You know, you don't have to be the secretary. Uh, you don't have to be a member of Congress to be the House Speaker. It could be, 
you know, it could be anybody. It, it could be Donald Trump. It, you, technically, you don't have to be a member. So they'll get it straightened out. Do we want to hear it? Uh, do we want to hear it? Is anything going on right now? Yeah, all right. Let me listen for a moment. Robert Garcia. Hakeem Jeffries. Jeffries. Garcia of Illinois. Hakeem Jeffries. Jeffries. Garcia of Texas. Jeffries. Huh. Jimenez. McCarthy. Golden of Maine. All right, it's like taking attendance. They're taking a vote. It's not a secret vote. You got to stand up and say, "I'm voting for this guy." Hey, what was that? What was it in the honeymooners when they were voting for the president of the Raccoon Lodge? Even they did that in secrecy. Remember? And Ralph got his feelings all hurt because Norton Norton voted for McGillicuddy. Oh, no, he didn't. Anyway, they're going to straighten that out. I'm not optimistic about the future of this country, though. I'm really, you know, that. Let's face it: the midterms were a total bust. And politically, you can read it online. You can see it in the newspaper. But my experience traveling through this country uh, was sobering. And I'm going to go back to Colorado. Um, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, let's, I'm going to tell you all about it. I, would, I went to a very nice hotel, and there were very nice people working there. Um, they were all from South America. All. One hundred percent every single person now how do i know that i'm not making assumptions i'm not racial profiling because they had their name tags you know it said jose from ecuador it said maria from argentina it said and now you may i'm not worried like oh what are you doing here taking our job no it's not that it's not that at all i admire these people they came here legally they came here with drive. They came here with ambition. They want to make money. Good for them. And they were very good at what they did. Where the hell were the Americans? Where are the American 23-year-olds? Where's the drive? Where's the ambition? Where's the grit? They were smoking dope. I mean, where the hell are they? There were, I said 100%, two Americans, two Americans that I encountered. Two in the service uh realm of this uh, operation. Two. All nice people where you seem to be giving up. We seem to be giving up. And that marijuana, I'm telling you, it is a rot. It is. I saw a guy 45 years old on the corner, you know, dressed like he's going to work, smoking weed. This is right outside. This is two hours ago. You know, you do that in Moscow, you're going to jail for eight years. You do that in China, they're going to kill you. I'm not saying we got to go that far. But we have adopted this and normalized it in about six seconds. And we have no idea how far back it's going to throw us. That and all the other problems we have. And back to the airport, I'm coming home. It's 945 at night at Denver International Airport. It's not exactly, um, you know, in the sticks. That's a major American city. 9.45 at night. Uh, holiday week. That's busy. That's busy. That's a hub. And uh, we were hungry. We wanted to eat. Three restaurants. Guess what? We're only serving alcohol tonight. 
you're not serving food? I mean, travelers are coming from all over the world. People are hungry. And, you know, you say, well, people need to eat after an eight-hour flight, that kind of thing. There are diabetics out there. There's blood sugar. The altitude I already told you about, they had no food. No food at these restaurants. I'm not talking about those restaurants where you sit down. Okay, what about the um, what about the fast food places? There are about maybe a dozen or so fast food places. Yeah, let's say a dozen. Ten of them were closed. Only two were open. Two. McDonald's. The line, I asked somebody how long they'd been in line because it was one of those lines. They said an hour. It was like they were going, they were online for a Lady Gaga concert. I mean, what the hell is I can't stand in that line. I can't, I'm not going to like, so then I go, the other store that was open was, um, oh, actually there were three. The other store that was open was Pizza Hut. But guess what they were serving at Pizza Hut? Mashed potatoes. <laughs> they had no pizza. They had mashed potatoes. Now this is third world stuff. This is going back decades. This is a broken country. This is America. I can get pizza wherever the hell I go, right? Wrong. Things are changing. Things are what this is bad stuff. Hey, oh, by the way, I said that McDonald's was open. Uh, line went on for an hour and a half. Uh, pizza Hut was open. Nobody was there because they were not serving pizza, just the te- and mashed potatoes. You know what place was open? The Chinese restaurant. <laughs> I don't know who owns Panda Express. It's probably uh, IBM. But Panda Express was open. And guess what? The line was very efficient. <laughs> didn't go on for an hour. They were just serving food, serving food, serving food. Serving. I didn't want to eat Panda Express at uh, midnight on Sunday. I didn't. But I did. So I think something's, um, I think uh, I can read it. I can look on my phone and see all this stuff. But going out there, it was scary. And then, th- and this is probably the worst. To top it all off, I get a lecture from Garth Brooks. You know that stupid uh, country guy? I'm sorry. I mean, is he a good musician or what? He must be. He's been around for 25 years. He's worth, I looked it up, a quarter of a billion dollars. So he's very good at country music. And I get to the, let me see this thing. I get to the airport, uh, the train. You know you have these airports with the trains? And I'm getting off the train into the terminal and it's got a it's a big mural and it's a picture of him and next to it is some 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 quote you know some quote that he said and then like and it says we will only have real peace when there is just one race the human race I'm like i got to tell you when i got to denver i saw it and i thought nah. but when i got back and all this other stuff had happened i saw the same sign i was like that's that's evil. There's something very, very wrong with that, right? It's almost genocidal. There will only be real peace when there's only one race. What race is getting in the way, Garth? Black people? Asian people? White people? What's the issue? Now, I'm not, I've said this before. I'm not proud of being white, but I'm not ashamed of it either. Is this like... And we're not interesting enough or whatever. And this is a big, fat, white, dumb cowboy saying this stuff, this virtue signaling. So why? It enhances his power. 
It ensures his status. What about for the rest of us schmucks? Huh? Whether you're white, black, Asian, you see this billionaire telling you that your race is wrong. Now, what warped? Where did I looked it up? Is it who's put some something called Pass It On? It's like passiton.org, whatever that is. Not to look into that. It's probably a George Soros thing. All right. Do we know anything more about the vote? Let's turn up the sound. This is the House floor of the uh, uh, Capitol. Jeffries. Kelly. McCarthy. Kilmer. Jeffries. Kim of California. Yeah, they brought their kids to work. This is a pretty important day. What the hell are the kids doing there? All right, let me hear a little bit more. There are there are four year old kids sitting on the laps of members of Congress. Jeffries. Custer. Hey, wouldn't it be great if somebody did a Baba Booey right now in the middle of it? Baba Booey. Kelly, New York. Baba Booey. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, wow, is it something I said? (laughs) Kevin McCarthy just lost the speaker's race. That's what it looks like. I mean, this is the first ballot. I guess I'll try it again. Uh, He did not get enough votes. It's uh, breaking news all over the place. They're doing the vote right now. And however it works down there, I guess you need 218. How many members of Congress are there? 435. I remember that from school. It hasn't changed. 435. Uh, Half of 435 is um, 217.5. Okay, so you got to get 218 votes. And just enough of them have gone to other people. Lauren Boebert, one of my favorites, voted for Jim Jordan. Um, a couple of others voted for Andy Biggs. So he needed every vote because they only have, what, like a four-vote majority. Uh, and the Repu- no Democrat's going to vote for him. So what does this mean? What does it mean? Well, in a way, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, <laughs> number one, let's be clear about something. I'm not sure. Now, I've talked to the experts, and they tell me in all likelihood it will be Steve Scalise. Ideologically, he's pretty much the same guy, except same guy as McCarthy, except he's more of a diehard, true believer, in my opinion. That's how he strikes me. Um, And oh, by the way, the guy was nearly shot to death on a ball field for being a Republican back in, uh, when was that, 2008, 17, I think. Remember when he was shot at that ball field? That crazy Bernie Sanders guy came down and opened fire on everybody? Yeah, that was a crazy liberal terrorist opening fire on Republicans. Never hear about that for some reason. Anyway, Steve Scalise almost died that day. So what are they doing now? They're still voting. Uh, Hakeem Jeffries, good for him, minority leader, I guess, from... uh... Wow, Kevin McCarthy. Now, I have been hard on this guy. Do you think it's something that I could look? I got a, I got seven hundred thousand people following me right now on Twitter, and a lot of them, about half of the Republicans in Congress, follow me on Twitter. Not bragging, but it's true. And here are some of the things I've said. <laughs> oh boy, over the uh, over the past couple of months about Kevin McCarthy, I got a picture of Kevin McCarthy, and it's Greg Kelly tweet April twenty eighth. 
22. This is a long time ago. What was my beef with them back then? Kevin McCarthy, he is not a leader. Send this guy back to wherever the hell he's from. Now, what did he do back then that made me so mad? I uh, Oh, I know. That's when we heard those tapes of him saying that Trump should resign after January 6th. That's right. That's what I. That's what's got my Irish up. Same day, picture of Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy, not impressive. More recently, after our very disappointing midterm, I got a picture of Lee Zeldin for some reason right next to Kevin McCarthy. And here's my tweet. Lee Zeldin's coattails in New York has brought the Republicans back to power in the House. And Kevin McCarthy didn't have a damn thing to do with it. The speaker's race is still wide open. Make history. Do something bold. Make Lee Zeldin the speaker. <laughs> damn, I like this guy. Um, here's another one. This is from December 5th. Greg Kelly on Kevin McCarthy. Wow. Oh, this is where I actually... This is where I actually backtrack a little bit. Wow, I just heard a rumor that Congressman Fred Upton, seen here in an old Sears catalog because he's wearing his jacket over his shoulder, you know that routine, is scheming with Democrats to become the next speaker. He'd be a million times worse than Kevin McCarthy. Fred voted to impeach Trump. I say impeach Fred. Get it together, House GOP, which is true. Get it together. Um, Now, this... Whatever is going down right now, it's going to be portrayed as a total cluster by the mainstream media. Oh, House Republicans in complete disarray, and this is their agenda. Oh, here's another reason why I don't like Kevin McCarthy. Uh, somebody I've never met in person, but I've gotten to know. I've had a few conversations with him. I consider him a friend, J.R. Majewski, Republican of Ohio. He ran for the House. He had a damn good shot to take a seat back from a 30-year incumbent. One fake news story came out about him that was so unfair, but even rhino Republicans believed it. They pulled the rug out from under him. Kevin McCarthy had a lot of campaign cash to spend, didn't give any of it to J.R. Majewski. So I say back to California with Kevin and hello, Steve Scalise. I hope that's how it plays out. Uh, What do you think? Hey, by the way, give me a call. Happy New Year, everybody. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, I got to tell you, I'm pretty happy, actually, that Kevin's going down. I uh, Were you going to really get anything out of this guy, Kevin McCarthy? He was going to be another Paul Ryan, another John Boehner. He's not a true believer. He's a guy in it for himself, always has been. Watch out for those jerks who got internships at the congressman's office when they were, uh, well, wait a second, I had one of those. (laughs) I was a political science major. They made me do it. Uh, But, you know, look, running for this stuff when you're in your 20s, I think that's, I'm sorry, he's more in it for the the game politics. And I think it's... uh, I think it's a good thing. What are you guys? Uh, should we check in with everybody? Uh, oh, Sandra in New Jersey. Hello. Oh, oh, welcome home. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I'm very happy you're back. Um, I wanted to say I'm happy with Scalise, even Jim Jordan. So that's good. So I hope that happens. I wanted to say that while you were away, we had a scary occurrence. Uh, this guy, Trevor. Brickford is his name. 
he uh, he took that machete and he attacked three police officers. And when you look at this guy, he's 19, he's clean cut, former athlete, honor roll student, recognized artist. Well, he took a turn to go Islamic. So I thought about your book that I can't wait to get. It should be coming any day now. And I and he this guy was definitely out for the police. This was his motive to get the police. His brother's in the military. He calls it a dirty uniform. Very bad. So what do you think? Well, you think the book. No, thank yeah. you for mentioning it. And you, you know it's fascinating. And I did see it while I was away, and I thought, wow. And I, I thought back to another cop who was hacked almost to death by an Islamic extremist. Look, it's fine to be a Muslim, but, you know, there's there's a wing, there's a part of it where people go totally nuts, and uh, that's uh, obviously hideous. And we had another terror attack against the New York City Police Department this weekend, and you know what? Yeah, it was in the Post. That's a major, major story. We've had about a dozen terror attacks. Actually, make that almost 20, almost 20 since Ray Kelly and Mike Bloomberg left office. Isn't that interesting? Right? But you don't hear that. Why? Because it happens on Democrat watch. And they don't want you to know about it. It's got to be underplayed. It's got to be downplayed. You can't. No, no, no. Don't talk about that. Don't talk about that. Um, Remember the truck attack on the West Side Highway? 13 people were killed. Probably not. I tell this, I, I used to go running there every single day. And I couldn't go running there for three days because it happened. Four days later, I forgot about it. Some Islamic extremist terrorist mowed down uh, 13 people, mostly uh, tourists from Argentina. And it was, oh, you know, just a traffic accident. Hey, um, what's the situation with the cop? Do you know his condition? Um, they're okay. There are all three of them. They're all okay, but that's not, you know, it still shouldn't happen. Yeah. No way it shouldn't happen. And the thing about it is what I said, well, what, you know, what, uh, what difference does it make who the police commissioner is? And, you know, it makes a world of difference. Because one of the things they did was tell the world that they had the most robust, uh, don't screw with us police department in the world. <laughs> that was part of the uh, part of it. You know, you have it tough as hell. You keep crime down. You let the world know that if you're a criminal or a terrorist, the last place you want to be is New York. So go somewhere else for your shenanigans. Don't come here. Well, that's not the message anymore because, well, the message now is, Oh, we want to. Uh, well, we don't want to get in the way. We uh, just okay. Yes, you. You got a beef. Go ahead, take over the street. You uh, feel slighted. You must be right. Um. Oh, that's how you feel. You're protesting. Uh, let us. We'll take a knee with you. Now, cops don't feel like this, obviously, but they've been encouraged by the De Blasio administration. The Eric. A- hey, by the way, whatever happened to Eric Adams? <laughs> He's just like. Oh, uh, I, I I think he went back to Thailand on for Christmas. Hey, Sandra, thank you very much. Oh, the book, it's coming out. Oh, kind of, I'm getting a little bit nervous about it. Actually, I got to do a bunch of readings. I got to go here, there, and everywhere. I'm going to be all over the place. Uh, my book comes out next uh, Tuesday, and you can avail. Basically, you can get it right now. It's called uh, Justice for All: How the Left Is Wrong About Law Enforcement. And you know what? I wrote it as I finished writing it about 
seven months ago, so I had to reread it over the weekend. I have a surprise. I forgot um, how much of it is about race, how much of it is about um, how race has been weaponized, how now we are being judged for what we look like, people of all races, how un-American that is, how there are real problems in the black community that need to be addressed that nobody will talk about. When you don't talk about a problem, guess what? It gets worse. You know, 1%, 1% of black men under the age of 24 are responsible for 35% of the murders. Now, I wish that wasn't true. And I don't know why that is true. But we got to start figuring it out, don't we? We're going to just pretend that slavery was the issue? Well, it's a systemically racist country, Greg. Oh, really? Oh, really? You sit down and show me in that Constitution where it's systemically racist, please. Well, what about slavery? Well, what about the Holocaust? You want to talk about systemic racism? Systemic racism? They had a system. I mean, they had a system. You can see it. They had trains and encampments, and they had gas chambers, and they had firing squads, and they had uh, forced labor, and they had all this. They had very intricate, systematic plans to kill Jewish people. That was systemic racism. Slavery was awful. It's also history. Way back. Way back history. It's done. I don't... Barack Obama had one great opportunity and he blew it. Instead, he just took, 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 took for himself. Took for himself. This book actually is probably going to get me in a fair amount of trouble. And might get me kicked off this, that, and the other thing. Which is is fine. I already told you I... Went to Denver this weekend. I don't intend to ever leave New York again. <laughs> I just don't. I just. I, it's not that I don't like other parts of the country. It's just I don't want to travel anymore. I just don't. Uh, not until, you know, it's one thing if a billionaire invites me on a plane, uh, maybe. But I don't want to do it anymore. And by the way, I just feel like everybody's really antsy and weird. You know, like something bad can happen. And all these people smoking the weed. Um, so the book is out. At Greg Kelly. Uh, USA, you can go to, there's a link right there. You can go to Amazon. You can go to the independent bookstore. Uh, you can go to, what are the big bookstores? You go to Barnes & Noble. What's another bookstore other than Barnes & Noble? We don't have borders anymore. It's Barnes & Noble, and then you got the small bookshops. Oh, you got Walmart, of course. They have a, they do a pretty good uh, book business in Target and places like that. It's all over the place, um, and I'm very proud of it. I dedicate it, actually, to my father, um, the greatest law enforcement professional in the history of the profession. And he has, uh, he's seen it all. You know, one of the reasons why I'm comfortable talking about race or a lot of people of all, you know, all races are very uncomfortable. And that's why if you don't talk about it, you, you basically give up the argument to the far left. Often, usually they're white far left radicals and they create the parameters and they create all the tripwires. If you don't get comfortable talking about race, the moment you do, the moment you're forced to, you probably will, according to them, say the wrong thing because you're not accustomed to it, and they'll cancel you 
or they'll try to cancel you and they'll go through this, that and the other thing. Right. That happens. So it's good to go there. They don't want you to go there and go there. And, yeah, you might make mistakes. You might sound unless, you know, you may not sound polished when you talk about it because nobody ever does. Um, but we can't give up that argument. Rational, sane people uh, can't can't give into this. I heard Mike Pence the other day say, uh, again, thank the Capitol Police. And by the way, this is defensive law enforcement, but I go after the Capitol Police hard. That is a uh, it's fascinating. Two years of Black Lives Matter protests, um, everybody attacking cops, yelling at cops, assaulting cops. Cops were the villains. And then one day they're the heroes, the Capitol Police. One just one. Why is that? Oh, so I spent a lot of time on January 6th as well. And I think it's a reset. I think it's a reset. I ask, you know, so many questions about January 6th have been unanswered. Worse, they have been unasked. Nobody even asked them, which is really hideous, really hideous. Hey, Bernard Carrick, former commissioner. I think he's going to be on the show tonight. He's going to be on uh, Newsmax you got to hear this guy when he goes off about Ashley Babbitt in his deposition, his deposition before uh, the January 6th committee, which actually technically wasn't a deposition. He had a great lawyer. Um, so he sits down with the January 6th commission, and they want to, obviously, they're out to get him in trouble. They just want to nail him however way they can. Now, listen to this. He turns the table on those guys so bad, so good. Um, so... He tweeted something nasty about those cops who are crying. Remember that? Remember the crying Capitol Hill cops? So he's sitting down for his deposition, and they say, Mr. Carrick, I'm not trying to be confrontational with this, but I do want to get your perspective on it. Because on Exhibit 77, this is a tweet that you sent out in July of 2021 after a hearing where Capitol Police officers testified. And you said, no words. He had a picture of a bunch of crying um, Capitol Hill cops, Fanon, Gunnell, Dunn. No words like, you know, how, how pathetic is this? And the, uh, the guy goes on, having commanded the NYPD on 9-11 and been stabbed and shot at and witnessed numerous colleagues shot and killed in the 80s, 90s, in the line of duty, I am shocked at the cowardice. They should be fired, not fit for duty. That's Bernard Carrick's tweet. And then the investigator goes on. Here he goes on. And these were officers who testified about their experiences and loss of fellow officers. What prompted you to say this? Answer. I thought it was going to be a more recent tweet. So here's the way I feel. And here's why I said that. I have been stabbed. I've been shot. I've had partners shot. And I returned fire to defend them. I've had partners shot and killed. I've survived 9-11. I had 23 cops that worked for me that died on 9-11. And I had to memorialize 400 public servants, 343 firefighters, 23 New York City cops, 37 Port Authority cops. I've been in this business for a long time. But to sit there and watch these men whine and cry because somebody spit at them and because somebody called them bad names, and that was their words, not mine, it made me sick. Because I've been through a hell of a lot more than somebody calling me bad names and spitting at me. 
and I wasn't whining and crying, and I wasn't signing off with the PTSD, and I wasn't asking for PTSD retirement. If that was the case, I should have retired 30 years ago. Question. Uh, Mr. Carrick, not everybody has the same experience as you, though, right, in losing. I think you said losing a colleague in the line of duty can be traumatic. I mean, that's still right, correct? And then he goes on. Bernie Carrick. Yeah, it could be traumatic, but that's not what I heard at the time. I watched grown men cry on TV because somebody spit at them and called them bad words. Really? Come on. The theatrics of this was insane. Question. So we'll move away from this. I guess my question is that, you know, on the 9th, you sent a message to Mark Meadows saying the flags at half staff. Then seven or so months later, you know, this tweet is a little bit different. Okay, so Carrick on January 6th that night, because uh, Officer Sicknick died, he recommended to the White House that they fly the flags at half-staff. So he's, they're saying, hey, Mr. Carrick here, you know, you said the flag should be at half-staff, but a few months later you're, you're writing this stuff. What I'm trying to explore here is the politics of it all and whether the politics has shaped any of your messaging about what happened with the election or what happened with January 6th. Answer, yeah, the politics is horrendous. It is, and I've said that. It's all about theatrics. First of all, you've got reporters saying that five cops died. No, five cops didn't die on January 6th. One cop died. One cop. You had three cops that committed suicide. They committed suicide. Nobody can say it had anything to do with January 6th. And nobody is talking about Ashley Babbitt. And since we're talking about cops and what happened in the Capitol, let me tell you something. What happened to Ashley Babbitt is outrageous because I can tell you there isn't a cop in this country, not one, and you guys are attorneys. I think you're all attorneys. There isn't one cop in this entire nation that could have a trespasser climbing through a window that's totally unarmed, that shot point-blank range and killed and not be indicted and go to prison. There is not one. Every single day in this country, all over the country, we see cops confronted with knives and they use deadly force and they go to jail. We see cops involved in shootings, shootings, returning fire, unjustified use of force. And yet Ashley Babbitt is dead because somebody shot and killed her as she was climbing through a window unarmed. (laughs) That's uh, amazing stuff. Do I cut it off there? And. The guy comes back. Yeah, I don't have the rest of it here. The guy comes back. Okay, we understand your passion, but I will just point out that you have to put it in context. And there were people there who were saying, hang Mike Pence. And there were congressmen just trying to get the job done and protect the democracy. So we all have our perspective. And that's that got me, too. It's like, let me get this straight. A half mile away, somebody is saying, hang Mike Pence so you can shoot Ashley Babbitt. This is still America, and you can't, and you can't, and we're not going to forget her. Oh, why did I do the January 6th stuff today? Because uh, I read the whole damn report on the plane, a 1,000 pages long, on the plane and at the hotel. And there are a lot of things in there that I um, that are important to address, and they try to slip by the American people. I caught them. I caught the bastards. I'll be back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
I'm trying to see this George Santos guy, the Republican from Long Island, who's has he been sworn in yet? He's the new congressman from Long Island, the guy who got caught padding his resume uh, in the extreme. Um, but a friend of mine pointed out, uh, when you think about it, um, he's really actually letter of the law. Uh, he's not nearly as bad as Joe Biden. He's not nearly as bad as Joe Biden. Now, George Santos apparently uh, lied about graduating from college. He did not graduate from Baruch College. He attended it and did not get a degree. Well, Joe Biden actually (laughs) said on national television as a sitting three-term United States senator running for president that he had three degrees, three degrees from from, from a university Three undergraduate degrees. He had a bachelor's in this, a bachelor's of science in that, an A.B. in this. And he was lying. He got caught lying back when they were not afraid of, let's see here, lying, 1987. I want to play this for you guys. It's really good. And now they're trying to drive George Santos, George Santos out of the, out of the, out of the Congress. I don't think so. I don't think that's, I don't think that's right at all. I don't think that's right. Everybody pads their resume a little bit. I don't know how much he did. I guess there was this whole thing about, eh, look, did he break a law? No. Let Leave George Santos alone. And Bob Zimmerman, the Democrat who ran against him, who I know and like, he's a very nice guy, very smart guy, incredible dresser. Whoever is running his campaign should never run a campaign again. They should have had opposition research. I could have figured out this guy was lying about his resume in eight seconds. Why why didn't they? You raise money to do that kind of thing, to investigate your opponent. You're supposed to. It's not dirty politics. It's the way it works. It's the way it works. Uh, Charles in Brooklyn, hello. Hey, Greg. Welcome back. Thank you. Listen. I, I want to work on your new mayoral campaign. I want to do the official rapper. Uh, okay. Uh, you got something in mind? Yeah, I want to maybe create something for. But but I have I have like viral videos. I have eleven million hits on this. I'm single sure video you're great. But let me hear something right now. Ready? About me? It's the market. One, two. Here you go. It's the microphone. Check. Check the mic. One, two. About show you what an older Jew could do. Special one, I'd be dialed in Crab MC. They think they could top me? All right. Uh, I, uh, please. you got to slow it down. We can't tell if you're saying bad words or not. Uh, Charles, uh, does every, every, I guess every campaign needs a rapper. Why the hell not? Um, we'll talk. We'll talk. All right. I got to go. Thank you, Charles, very much, and I'll be right back. Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, fake news, still freaked out. Um, I guess everybody is, not just that Kevin McCarthy is not yet the speaker. He lost the first round of balloting. Uh, I'm looking at Kevin McCarthy right now, and he looks uh, happy as a clam. He was kissing a baby. And he was laying it on a little bit too thick. It's one thing to, oh, that's a cute kid. Hi, how are you? He spent about two minutes with the baby, somebody else's baby. 
I mean, just nothing untoward. I'm just saying it was a little bit much. It was a little bit, you know, somebody else's baby. You're going to, you know, no, no. I feel like he's nervous and he's not going to get it based not entirely on the baby interaction. The other thing, I just saw Matt Gates sitting on a bench alone looking um, not peeved, but he did not look confident. He did not look like his confident self, and there's usually a bit of a some energy around him and some people around him. He was off on his own. There's Lauren Boebert. She got up and said, I'm not voting for uh, you, Kevin McCarthy. I'm voting for Jim Jordan. And Jim Jordan's a great guy. I love him to be the speaker. I actually know him, too. I'm always rooting for the people. I Is there anything going on right there? No, there's nothing going on. House poised to take a second speaker vote. Hey, you know who would be good to talk to right now? Let's get Congressman John King on the phone. Former Congressman John King, can we do that? Peter King, excuse me, Peter King. I know why I said John King. That jerk from CNN just popped up. Peter King, the best guy in the world, uh, homeland security expert. We'll talk to him. He'll 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 straighten out this situation. Um, all right. Hey, I did read the January sixth report, and what uh, is it really? I just got to let you guys know this. Some of the stuff I'm going to go into tonight. It's actually very very funny. Um, how I catch these people in lies that. I mean, I knew that they were a bunch of liars, but man, to see this level of it, to see the audacity of it, uh, what I documented is a bunch of Democrats, you know, the secretaries of state in Michigan and Georgia, Arizona, they were Democrats who were running the election, which is a huge problem, by the way, something that's being totally addressed. You can't have a Democrat running those elections. You can't even have a Republican running those elections. they got to be nonpartisan, completely, completely nonpartisan, civil servant, or just to stay the hell out of it. And this Jocelyn Benson and Katie Hobbs, what they were doing is complaining about all the harassment, death threats um, that came to them after the election, and that's been, been with them ever since. Like, oh, my gosh, people call me names. People yell at me. People are like, number one, <laughs> welcome to my world, okay? You want to ride the four train with me someday? All right? It happens. It's no big deal. And, oh, by the way, <coughs> excuse me, nobody should be threatened. That's against the law. I haven't heard of anybody being prosecuted for threatening Jocelyn Benson. Who's Jocelyn Benson again? She's the Secretary of State of Michigan. So what they're doing is they're hyping this stuff. There's status, there's prestige in getting threats and talking about them. If I'm getting threatened, therefore, oh, I'm important. And if I'm getting threatened, oh, therefore, I need security. And there's nothing like having a bunch of guys around you with those little things in their ears protecting you. Ooh, that means that means you're important. That means you're somebody, right? And all these people went into politics to be somebody. Not to do anything, to be something. That's the that's that's why Trump never fit in with these people. Okay, he already was something. He didn't need it. He already had the fame. He had the money. He had the status. He had all that stuff. He actually went there to do something, and they cannot figure that out. You're going to ruin it for everybody. What do you? You're oh, wait. You're trying to get stuff done. We're just. We're just playing a game here. 
Oh, no. Oh. It reminds me of that thing from Rocky. Who remembers Rocky 1? And Rocky gets picked out of the phone book, essentially, by Apollo Creed and his manager, Jim, uh, uh, Mr. Jurgens. And it's round one. And Apollo's just going through the motions, trying to, you know, just kind of having fun. And then Rocky belts him, and down goes Apollo. Bam! Wow. Shocks the world. And it's amazing. Rocky can't believe, nobody can believe it. it's an amazing moment. Apollo Creed, the world champion, goes down in the first round. The bell rings, and they go back to their corners. I know it's an old movie, but it's one of my favorites. And think about what the coach of Apollo Creed says to him. Um, He doesn't know it's a damn show. He thinks it's a damn fight. Now finish this bum and let's go home. He doesn't know it's a damn show. He thinks it's a damn fight. And that was Trump. He was naive in his own way. I know. Well, he was a showman. It was all about shit. No. He actually thought at the end of the day it was about doing something for the people. And that's not what it's about. Anyway, I thought it was a very powerful moment in Rocky. And uh, this, oh, so back to this Secretary of State lady, Jocelyn, uh, not El, Jocelyn Benson. So I got it. I got it all documented. She's, uh, moaning and groaning about all the threats that she's gotten, right? And she says, I can't leave my house without looking over my shoulder. I feel like I'm under, I have a constant anxiety. Anxiety is my companion. I am, uh, I am at risk. And she goes on and on and on like this. And I'm like, this doesn't, this doesn't ring true. It just doesn't ring true. She says, it creates an air of apprehension everywhere you go and over everything you do. You're always looking behind your back and over your shoulder. And I just said, you know what? No, I don't believe it. And these idiot politicians, they don't, number one, they don't think anyone's going to read this stuff. And most of the time they're right. But I did, and I went a little bit further. I go to her Instagram account. And Jocelyn Benson is like Wonder Woman in these pictures. Girl power all over the place. She wants to keep a low profile. She's driving around her neighborhood in a truck that says, Jocelyn Benson, Secretary of State of Michigan. She's driving that truck in her neighborhood. She's going to this thing and that thing. She's standing with hundreds of people shaking hands. On stage, play, you know, when they, when, the, when they hold the guns up, the hands like guns, you know, play acting like guns. They were doing all those pictures. Loving it. Loving it every step of the way. The attention. It's not a person who's afraid. This is not a person who was genuinely, whose life is at risk. And this is a person, Jocelyn Benson, Secretary of State of Michigan, who, guess what, was perfectly positioned to do whatever the hell she could to get Joe Biden elected. And yes, that includes shenanigans. And same goes for all these people. There's another guy. You know, I'm not, I can't prove it yet, but I think the day will come where we might just be able to prove it that Philadelphia was screwed with to the point that the whole damn state was stolen from Trump. 
and you look at the commissioners in Philadelphia, they're these commissioners, not commissioner of police, commissioner of fire. There's the commissioner of Philadelphia. Interesting title, a commissioner. And one of their areas of responsibility, elections. And there's a guy named, let's see here, I wrote it down, Omar Sabir. Omar Sabir, and he's another one. He's uh, he's huge. He looks like French Montana. You know that guy? And uh, he's telling the fake news the same thing. I got death threats all the time. Uh, I always got to look over my shoulder, kind of like a talking point. It's a real shame. I got to watch my back everywhere I go. Well, I went to his Instagram. And the day he said this crap, guess what he's doing? Going on a walk in his neighborhood. Talking about exercise and how good he feels, and it's a beautiful day in Philadelphia. The same day. Oh, it's going to be good. I busted these guys. Now, I wish I got to turn around. I will play it for you tonight on the Newsmax show. That's at 10 o'clock. And hopefully then, are we going to know what the hell's going on in the House of Representatives? Oh, they're speaking again. Turn up the volume if you don't mind. I want to hear this. The total number of votes cast is 434, of which... The Honorable Hakeem Jeffries of the state of New York has received 212. Boo! Boo! I don't like you, Hakeem. Boo! The Honorable Kevin McCarthy of the state of California has received 203. Uh-oh. Not enough. The Honorable Andy Biggs of the state of Arizona has received 10. The Honorable Jim Jordan of the state of Ohio has received 6. All right. The Honorable Jim Banks of the state of Indiana has received one. The Honorable Lee Zeldin of the state hey. of New York has received one. Woo-hoo. The Honorable Byron Donalds of the state of Florida has received one. Good man. I like that guy. Future president. No persons having received a majority of the whole number of votes cast by surname. A speaker has not been elected. Following the procedure used by the House in 1923 and recorded in Canon's Precedents, Volume 6, Section 24, the clerk is prepared to direct the reading clerk to call a roll anew. Jim Jordan, what the hell's going on? Oh, I know what he's going to do. He's going to withdraw. I rise to nominate Kevin McCarthy for Speaker of the House. All right, enough. And? The gentleman is recognized. Uh, Thank you, Madam Clerk. I think we have three objectives this Congress, three fundamental things we have to get done in the 118th Congress. First, pass the bills that fix the problems. In two years' time, 
We have went, we, we have a border that is no longer a border. We have a military that can't meet its recruitment goals. We have bad energy policy, bad education policy, record spending, record inflation, record debt, and a government that has been weaponized against we the people, against the very people we represent. So we, we need to pass legislation to address all that. And I hope my Democrat colleagues will join me. I really do. But I have my doubts. And if they don't, and if Chuck Schumer says, no, we're not going to take up that legislation that we pass, and if Joe Biden won't sign it, so be it. They'll have to, they'll have to answer to the people in 2024. Second, second, we can never, ever let a bill like the one that passed 12 days ago, $1.7 trillion, we can never, ever let that kind of legislation pass again. I love you, Jim, but what's going to happen? Come on. We... We know this. Who's going to be the speaker? We have to we have to pass a budget that makes sense. That's good common sense. Then do the 12 appropriation bills that that are, that recognize it's the people's money, not ours and send it to the Senate and then stand firm on that legislation. And again, if they won't take it up and Joe Biden won't sign it, we can stand firm on a CR or something. We can have that fight, but we are not going to have what took place a week and a half ago ever happen again. And then finally, third, and this is important. We got to do the oversight, do the investigations. Are you going to cut the guy off? We have to do the oversight and the investigations that need to be done. This idea that bureaucrats who never put their name on a ballot but think they run the country, yep. who have assaulted our constituents' First Amendment liberties, they need to be held accountable. That has to happen. We need to do it. Jim Jordan for speaker. We need to do it in a way that's consistent with the Constitution, but we need to do it vigorously this is live, and aggressively. By the way. That is part of our duty as members of this body. To my friends here on this side of the aisle, I would just say this. The differences we may have, the differences between Joyce and Jordan or Biggs and Bacon, they pale in comparison to the differences between us and the left, which now unfortunately controls the other party. So we had better, we had better come together and fight for these key things, these three things. That's, that's what the people want us to do. And I think Kevin McCarthy is the right guy to lead us. I really do, or I wouldn't be standing up here giving this speech. I, I came in with Kevin. We came in the same time 16 years ago. We haven't always agreed on everything, but I like his fight. I like his tenacity, and I like the... I remember Kevin told me, I actually wrote about this in a book. I remember Kevin told me, he said, when the, the toughest times in life are when you get knocked down. The question is, can you come back? And I've always seen him be able to do that. We need to rally around him, all right, come together, all right, and all right. deal with these oh, things. Oh, God. Did he have to say that? <laughs> it's not how you, it's not if you fall down, it's how you get back up. I mean, all right. I love Jim Jordan. I think might he might be the speaker. We'll see. This is not ending. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Oh man, is Matt Gates still speaking? Turn him up. Ah, uh, we just missed him. He was on during the commercial break. He was awesome. He was awesome. He gets up there right in front of Kevin McCarthy and says. 
It should be Jim Jordan as the speaker. We should have a guy who's not beholden to special interests, a guy who is just nothing about power, who has been selling shares of himself for over a decade. I don't totally understand what that means, but I like it. I think, you know, just I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to do that for you. Just support me, support me, support me. Wow. And he's right there. You know what it's a little bit like? You know, usually Congress is just a bunch of guys' speeches, like taking turns, giving speeches. But with Kevin McCarthy, the opposition right there, it looked, um, well, it looked a bit more interesting, kind of like the British Parliament sometimes where they're getting into it big time. Um, I love our system. I prefer our system. Um, Look, as long as they don't, as long as this process does not give us a Speaker Hakeem Jeffries or a, uh, who the hell else, like a Fred Upton, some weirdo rhino, or worse, a Democrat, I'm okay with it. And it's not my responsibility, quite frankly, okay? It's not my responsibility. I don't have to like Kevin McCarthy. I don't know that guy anything. Steve Scalise would be great. Jim Jordan would be great. There are other alternatives. Um, but let's not give the Democrats the upper hand, okay? Midterms were disappointing enough. It's going to be okay. Most people can't even name their congressman, let alone the Speaker of the House. Although we'll never forget Nancy. Nancy! Be right back. Greg Kelly. Entertaining and informative. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. They're back at it. They're voting again. Is anything going to change? I didn't see... Kevin McCarthy loses, and then uh, and then they all kind of slap each other on the back and chit chat and kiss babies, and uh, I don't I don't see anything changing after that. And Matt Gates got up and gave a really powerful speech, saying vote for Jim Jordan. So anyway, they're voting again right now, going through it. Four hundred and thirty-four people. Somebody called in sick today. Uh, we'll see what happens. Hey. Here's that, and and, and uh, Sandra called in about this. You heard about the officers who were attacked with knives by a crazy man from Maine, motivated by uh, Islamic fundamentalism, extremism. Let's take a look here. Uh, suspect charged in New Year's Eve machete attack on police officers near Times Square. The 19-year-old accused of attacking three police officers with a machete on New Year's Eve has been charged with two counts of attempted murder. Trevor Bickford. That name sounds familiar. Hey, what was the name of the killer, of the wannabe killer in Taxi Driver? Travis Bickford from Wells, Maine, allegedly attacked the officers unprovoked after taking a train to the city on December 29th. His alleged assault came weeks after the suspect was placed on a federal watch list that would have prevented him from traveling overseas after his mother informed the FBI about her son's gravitation toward Islamic extremism, law enforcement sources told ABC News. How about that? At Travis Bickle. Huh? How about that? Travis Bickle? Trevor? Well, it's not as close as I thought. All right. Um, but the FBI is busy hassling people who are urinating on Capitol Hill and letting this guy do his business. Letting this guy who wants to go to Afghanistan, seriously, you can't find a way to arrest a guy like that? Well, I don't know if arrest him, but keep an eye on him at least. 
Keep a freaking eye on him. This is the story of the FBI. The story of the FBI. The guy always just got away. Great going, feds. You guys suck. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Jim Jordan, pass legislation. You gotta... There's no use. Federal Bureau of Investigation, Federal Bureau of Incompetence. The di- the, so the guy had a diary. Listen to this. The final di- diary entry indicated the suspect thought he would die in the attack and ask for burial according to the Islamic tradition. Bickford has made statements to investigators that strengthened the belief that the attack was motivated by Islamic extremism. Law enforcement sources told ABC News. You know, it's interesting. They're saying this stuff, you know, behind the scenes. But at the press conference, I don't know if they actually said this stuff out loud because they they want to. Right? Bickford told police he took a sip of water and shouted Alua Akbar before attacking the officers with a knife. The knife was purchased in Maine, where Bickford also withdrew thousands of dollars in cash at some point before taking an Amtrak to New York. The withdrawal and the purchase suggested premeditation. Maybe the hell that would have tipped off the FBI who was already supposed to be looking after him. The knife was described as rusted and blunt. Had it been sharper, the the injuries to the officers would likely have been more severe. Last month, Bickford's mother allegedly called the FBI and warned them about his gravitation toward Islamic extremism. The FBI interviewed Bickford and determined he sought to travel to Afghanistan to fight for the cause. Well, what do you think about that? No, uh, noted, noted, ma'am. Thank you. We'll put it in our files. Have a good day. We'll put it on the list. We'll put them on the list that nobody seems to watch. The watch list. Meanwhile, where was that guy who was spray-painting graffiti on January 6th? Call the SWAT team. Call the freaking SWAT team on that guy. Bickford was placed on a federal watch list that would have prevented it from traveling overseas. But there was nothing to prevent him from boarding an Amtrak train to New York. Absolutely nothing preventing him, including a totally clueless, out-to-lunch Totally incompetent and corrupt FBI. It's disgusting, by the way. This is disgusting. I I knew they were bad, folks. I knew they were bad. But really, upon arrival in New York, the suspect made a large cash donation to the Bowery Mission, which investigators believe was meant to satisfy a Muslim tenant of charity. From there, it's believed Bickford... Slept in a park in Forest Park, Queens. Police recovered a sleeping bag linked to the suspect, sources said. Investigators are interested in what brought him to the park in a remote part of the city and whether he... You know what this freaking bureau needs? Ray Kelly. I'm sorry. (laughs) They need a kick-ass freaking professional who knows the law, who's super smart and organized and efficient and knows how to run complex organizations. They don't need, what's his name, Chris Ray. I, I, I got a big download about Chris Ray, by the way. Chris Ray. Pretty boy. That's his whole thing. He makes a good presentation in the boardroom. 
Fortunately, the police officers, they're going to be okay. All right, have we figured out the speaker thing? Let's turn up the volume one more time. McCarthy. Emmer. McCarthy. McCarthy. Escobar. Jeffries. All right, all right. I don't know who's winning, who's losing. It's still too early to say if any votes are moving. As Thelma said to Norton, what do you want, uh, Larry, in New Jersey? Hi. Hey, Greg. You know what? I don't think enough kudos are given to the mother. I mean, she had the foresight or the wherewithal to call the FBI in the first place on her own side. Right, good for her. And good then, for her. I mean, fantastic. Definitely. No, no, she's, she, I, I mean, and, and that must, what, what, what pain, you know, I always think of the families, not only of the victims, but also of the accused, you know, it's the worst thing in the world. It's really horrific. It's horrific to lose a son or daughter or have somebody attacked, but at least there's a lot of sympathy, you know what I mean? And there's support. But when you are the family of the bad guy, what is that like? That's got to be extremely tough. And very, very few people have been through that. And, Larry, you're absolutely right. That mother um, did the right thing, called the FBI. What other havoc was this guy uh, pulling off? Uh, let's see here. Um, can I go to Jerry, please, in New Jersey? Hi. I spoke to you the other week about your son, remember? Wait, hold on a second, Jerry. Uh, Jerry, you stay right there. I want the other Jerry in New Jersey a little bit further up the line. Jerry. Yeah, hi. Um, how are you doing? Good. So I think that uh, one is going to George Santos first. George Santos is great what happened. Finally, we got something on the Democrats. They've been doing all sorts of crazy things with elections and everything. The only thing I wish is that George Santos would have lost the election on Election Day and then went into the lead overnight after we shut down all the offices while the voting was going on. Wait, that would have been great. Wait, uh, I don't know. Uh, what? Oh, How would well, that have worked? I, wait, what? I wish George Santos would have lost the election on election and day. And so Bob Zimmerman would be the congressman, right, the Democrat, and? Well, overnight, though, I would like to see George Santos win then in the morning like it happens with the Democrats. Oh, they I get you. win by the morning. Yeah, you know, right. and they shut all the doors overnight <laughs> during the vote counting. Yeah, I know, man. i got to tell you, and I've been thinking a lot about the election, a lot about it, and, you know, they, they're so clever and they're so dastardly, the left. You know, the moment you start talking about the election, they say, that's the big lie. And that somehow you're a threat to democracy. You know what's a threat to democracy? Not being able to question the election. You know what I mean, Jerry? That's the threat to democracy. Anyway, very <laughs> – I like uh, I like your style, Jerry. Uh, let me go to the other Jerry, please, in Passaic, New Jersey. Hi. I spoke to you last week. I came up with some other ideas for you and something for your, uh, your election as well. Most people don't realize it, but when – I'm going to say something that seems out of way, out of way. When, 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 what's his name? When Reagan was president, he put, he put something in which only exists in three counties in Texas. That's private social security. If you look at and you put Galveston, Texas in, you'll see Galveston has a private social security count, which Reagan somehow passed through a Democratic Congress and they killed it a year and a half later. You think Believe I should, it or not. All right, so I should do that as mayor? Oh, absolutely. All right, got it. Give me another idea. Another idea? Well, if you want another idea, or if you, you're dealing with your son or 
make sure that people are paying into their own private IRAs instead of having all these, uh, the, you know, the, the guaranteed deferred benefit is guaranteed. If you're going to, if you at least want to keep it in the, in the city system, make it deferred contribution, which means you can adjust accordingly, according to the economy. You're talking about the pension that I'm going to get when I'm, uh, after I'm mayor, huh? The pension to uh, the pension to the employees and everything else. Yeah, well, I'll be a city employee if I'm the mayor. Uh, all right, we'll go with that plan, Jerry. Good stuff. Thank you very much. Let's do uh, let's do another one. Um, let's do Tony in Clifton, New Jersey. Hi, Tony. Welcome back. Hey, Tony, are you the one I got into the beef with about uh, about uh, McCarthy and Biggs? No, you always ask me that. No. Oh. This is somebody else. Listen, what? Just a couple of things. Number one, for mayor, there's a great book. I will read your book. Congrats. But Fiorella LaGuardia started all the systems in New York City, and he did keeping track of everything, started all the protocols. I think that's a great read for you because then you'll have a basis for how. Uh, I read that book. He's a little bit more. He's a little. He was a little showy. It was a little bit a lot of, uh, you know, a little bit propaganda with that guy. A little, a little bit propaganda. He had a lot to, uh, he had a lot of good stuff, but a little, a little bit of the propaganda. I will, uh, I read it a long time ago, familiarized myself again. There are a couple of books about him. And you know, there's a great play about him, a one man show by Tony Lobianca. Remember that guy from French Connection and a bunch of other things? It's a great, great, great one man show. Um, gotta see that again, actually. Uh, LaGuardia. Uh, anyway, sorry, Tony, what else? So listen, in 1923, when this last happened in the House, they went through nine votes. Um, it also happened I remember. the first time. So be prepared. This, this can be like a long-winded thing. But I suspect, for my purposes, that Jim Jordan is really going to be the one to knock them on their feet. Gates wants Jordan. Jordan wants Kevin McCarthy. It's kind of like a game we're going through. But Jim Jordan was the one that defended Trump at his impeachment. And that's why I think he can keep them in line as Speaker of the House. Uh, yeah, I uh, look, that's why I can't stand Kevin McCarthy. The guy was telling Liz Cheney uh, that Trump should resign after January 6th. The guy's got six days left in office. Trump had six days left in office. And Kevin McCarthy's advice to Trump is resign. I'm sorry, man. You hand in your MAGA card. You might as well. I mean, you know, look, if he can get the job done, he can get it done. I have no taste for the guy. I want them to take care of it. And uh, I would love to see Jim Jordan. That That's a guy I could get really enthusiastic about. But I don't want this to go some crazy way. Like a Democrat getting it or some crazy, silly rhino like Fred Upton. And I'm told by some of the experts, if they're not careful, that could happen. They're playing with fire, potentially. Tony, uh, did you say want to say one other thing? I want to say welcome back, and we missed you. Aw. Thank you, Tony. Oh, Tony, and thank you. Did you say something about my book? I did not. I just said congratulations. Oh, oh. Uh, oh you said you said congratulations on my book? Yeah. yeah. Well, you did. Okay, thank you, because the book is available right now, uh, wherever books are sold. Well, if you go to the bookstore, it may not be there yet. It'll definitely be there uh, next week. It's called Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement. 
And uh, I tackle uh, really three big things that are totally screwed up in America. Um, The issue of race that no one is addressing and no one is saying what needs to be said. Uh, I'm going to make a lot of people angry and raise a few eyebrows. And yes, I say some uncomfortable truths, but somebody's got to say them. I talk about the corrupt um, George Soros and that machine that created this false narrative that somehow the cops are the bad guys and the January 6th. But one of the things I'm most proud of is the end of the book, the recommendations, the enhancements. A lot of these books that I read, sometimes they peter off. They peter off the last two chapters. Start big and then they get boring. Um, Mine starts big, uh, maintains, and then gets even bigger, in my opinion. We'll see what the critics say. Oh, boy, that's going to be something. That's going to be something. Imagine, you know, <laughs> you know, you get a book report back from the teacher. You know, you only you get the grade. It's going to be in the newspaper or, or online. Actually, I hope it is. Hey, all press is good press, they say. Give me a moment. I'll be right back. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Okay, still no speaker. And, you know, it's, uh, I don't like talking about my age, but suddenly years don't feel like years. They feel, uh, this will sound silly, but they're like series of 12 month intervals. Everything after September 11, 2001 has gone incredibly fast, incredibly fast. And while I was on vacation skiing, by the way, which is uh, not my cup of tea, I'm actually decent at it. I did it a lot as a kid. I went to uh, Vernon Valley, which is now Mountain Creek, and uh, learned how to ski out there. And this was Colorado. So the the snow was, uh, they say, was really great. It seemed like ordinary snow to me. Anyway, uh, I realize I've got to... Um, you hit a certain age and you realize, wow, life is not forever. I mean, we all know that, but when do you really know it? Know it in your bones that, you know, there's just a limited number of days and you got to enjoy life. And I, uh, that was a major takeaway. I like to say I've always kind of had that approach, but it's more, it was more of an intellectual, mental thing. Now it's kind of a gut level, you know, in my heart. This is it. This is life. Uh, There's no do-over. And for me, the big thing is taking care of my health, eating better. I cannot afford, if I eat the wrong thing, if I have a piece of cake, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm out of commission. I'm out of commission for six hours. I just, I got to lay on my stomach. I moan and groan. It's, it's, it's not good. All right. So I'll see you tonight on the Newsmax show, which is going to be great. I'm actually quite excited about it. I had a lot of thoughts over the uh, break, and I got a lot of things to show you. And uh, I'll also be showing you my book cover. The one thing about the book cover, if you take a look at it, I'm realizing now my jacket sleeves are too long. You can look at the book cover right now. Go to Amazon. It's um, 
Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement by Greg Kelly. Me, I'm on the cover. I took the picture up at 125th Street. And that jacket I'm wearing, I just bought it an hour and a half earlier. And it wasn't it wasn't tailored. I said, nah, it's good enough. No, you sure? You really should have. No, I got to go take a picture. I kind of need it now. And you can tell the sleeves are just too long. Um, dad, what are you going to do? Um, I mean, it's very I'm surprised. Well, somebody did say something about it. Um, so thank you very much. Thank you for uh, your support of the show. It's good to be back. Happy New Year, everybody. Hey, don't put yourself under uh, unnecessary pressure regarding New Year's resolutions. More on that tomorrow, but we really, you know, we, we said we're going to do all this stuff in a year. Like my friend Tony Robbins once said, people overestimate what they can do in a in a year and underestimate what they can do in a decade. Uh, and that does not negate that earlier thing I was talking about, how life is uh, short. All right, let's go. Let's say goodbye to some people. Joyce in Rockland County. Hi. I'm so glad you got to me. Um I lost favor with McCarthy after January 6th. He just pinpointed why with Liz Cheney, okay? He's yeah. a swamp creature. That's what he is. I love Jim Jordan, but I don't think they're go- he's going to get it. He's too conservative, too much of a fighter. The Democrats, their face in the background when Mark Gates was talking went from a smile to a frown. <laughs> like their mouth just drooped down because they don't want somebody like that. They want McCarthy, okay, the Democrats. The only other person I can think of, oh, I love Jim Jordan, though, I just adore him, uh, is Steve Scalise, but I don't know if he's got the fight. Um, no, Steve Scalise would be good. Steve Scalise would be fine. And you got to let Jim Jordan do his thing. I agree with you 100% about uh, about McCarthy. Absolutely. Hey, Joyce, thank you very much. Keep in touch. i got to do Max in Manhattan real quick. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Listen, there's a wife who wants to chemically castrate, make her son into a girl, and um, she she left her husband, and the husband is trying to get rights rights back to to see their son. Yeah, I heard about this. The, the son's the father's name is Jeff Younger. Yeah, and he's trying to get uh, um, custody over them, and they're in California. And because they're in California, he's having a very difficult job. It's too Jeff bad. Young. I know, I know. It's uh, it's a bad case. Uh, I'll take another look at that, Mac. Hey, let's just say hi to Becky very quickly. Becky, Oregon, the Pacific Northwest. Hi. Oh, welcome back. It's so good to have you back. Happy New Year. And I wasn't going to bring this up, but you brought up about food. Greg, would you ever consider completely cutting out sugar? It's so bad for you. Uh, think about that. Uh, I always think about that when you... No, yes, and thank you. That's a good starting now, starting right now, Becky. I'll see you tomorrow, and thank you.